0: Earlier this year I spoke to you about spiritual warfare, um, and uh, we spent I think probably five, six weeks, something like that, talking about spiritual warfare. So I want to encourage you that we're not going to rehash all of that stuff, but this is kind of an extension of, uh, of that. Um, we talked about clothing ourselves in the armor of God and to walk with confidence, and and why? Because because the day of evil will come. Remember talking about that? There will be an evil day to come in your life. It doesn't matter how old you are, it will come. Uh, <clears throat> and to be honest with you, at this life, and at some point you say you're living for Jesus, uh, nobody wants to encounter evil, do they? <clears throat> I, I've heard pastors talk about you know dealing with demon-possessed people and all this stuff. I don't get up in the morning and say, Lord, send me demon-possessed people I have to deal with today. <laughs> I don't do that. It's like nobody wants to encounter evil, but the reality of it is is if you don't run face to face with the devil at some point, you're probably going the same direction. Amen? So, so there's a lot of, of, of spiritual warfare going on around us. Um, there's a lot of different things that we're going to hit over the next few weeks. Uh, today, it'll, it's going to end up being a lot more of a, a, a teaching series than a preaching series. Today will be a little bit more preachy than the other two, but um, it's probably going to offend you. Not today, but in the weeks to come. It may offend a few of you a little bit. Just because we do not realize how deeply our nation has been affected by the occult. And even the church, at times, has been affected by the occult. Already people are getting quiet. Listen, folks, it's, it's October. What happens in October? October. Light the night, of course, right? And we're all going to sign up for it as soon as service is over. (laughs) Carla's not even in here, and I plugged it again for her. Halloween. Everybody talks about Halloween. Good grief, I can't even walk down the middle aisle of CBS without something yelling at me. Ah! (laughs) I can't walk to to the back to to go get a birthday card for my wife this last week. I'm not telling you how old she is, but it was her birthday. I walked back there. And as I'm walking back, there's this giant thing, this tall going, I'm like, I just walk around it. I don't want to go by that. Listen, you've got to be completely ignorant if you don't understand what month it is. It's October, there's all of the talk about ghouls and ghosts and and hauntings and demons and devils and, and witches and warlocks and right now everybody's offended already. Oh, great, Pastor, I know what you're going to do. You're going to start putting down Halloween. And I just take my little kids and I put a little princess dress on my little girl. There ain't nothing wrong with putting a little princess dress on a little girl and going to a house and getting some chocolate. For crying out loud, Pastor, leave me alone about my pagan holiday that I love very much. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I'm not going to throw fit about that. You know, I, I trick-or-treated when I was a kid, and I, I ran away from the Lord because of it. And, and I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. Yeah. i just kidding. Listen, if you want to put something nice on your kid and go get chocolate, candy, whatever, I don't care if you do that. But if they start bowing down to idols and worshiping Satan, you might want to stop that, okay? Uh, I'm not going to hammer on Halloween. I mean, we've heard about it enough to know what it was birthed out of and so on and so forth. Uh, But the reality of it is, is what it's really adapted to and moved into today, there is a great movement of the occult in our nation and, and all we're going to do is we're going to teach and we're going to train and uh, over the next few weeks about uh, answering a lot of questions about what it means uh, when we see in the Scripture it's talking about sorcery or having a familiar spirit or, or all of these kinds of things. We're going to look at the occult in our culture, what the Word of God says about it. We're probably on week three going to talk about uh, Jesus' interactions with uh, the demon-possessed and, and we're going to answer questions in light of... Of, of hauntings and uh, you know who do mediums talk to? Who are they speaking with when they say they're talking to the dead? So we're going to talk about this stuff from a from a biblical standpoint. Okay, people say, "Oh, great, pastor's gone off the deep end. He's going to get up there and start summoning spirits now." The only spirit we're going to invite is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And everything else we're going to talk about is everything in light of what the enemy has done to deceive. Now, I was praying. <coughs> I was praying a week or so ago. Pastor Joe Humrickhaus and I have been getting together and praying on Wednesdays, and we're hoping to kind of get our other pastors in, in line with us to come and start doing it together. But as I was praying the other day, I, I kind of prayed through the Scripture. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and again, if you've got a YouVersion app on your Bible, you can get to it on there, and it'll have all the Scripture on there. Just punch in live. When you go to the live search, punch in Covington First or use the zip code 47932. It'll come up, and you'll have all the Scripture references there with you. So, um Ephesians chapter 5, I was praying with him that day and and, uh, we'll pray together about different things and kind of pray through certain topics and and scriptures and things. And this scripture, the Spirit kind of led me to Ephesians 5 verses 15 and 16 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I know we've heard that a thousand times, but it hit me really hard that the days are evil. We live in evil times, folks. We live in days where there's much, much conflict in the heavenlies. Okay, we live in this nation where there is much evil around us today. But now, some of you right now are looking at me saying, You're crazy, Pastor. There is not, I, I get out, I leave church, I'm gonna go to the beef house and have lunch, and then I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna sit on my couch and I'm gonna watch the Colts beat the Jets since Pastor Sam's out of here. I can say that. And and then I'm going to take a nap and, and then I'm going to do this and that. And we got our lives planned out and we get up in the morning and we go to work and there's no problem. What are you talking about encountering evil? I don't encounter evil. You have gotten so accustomed to this world that you don't even see it anymore. That's right. That is not true. And, and God began to challenge me and work on me and say, Bob, there's evil all around you. It's constant. And that, he said, look what month we're headed into. Spirit spoke to me. He said, look what month we're headed into. And, and, and if we look at this, back up to verse 5, Paul's writing to Ephesus these things. He's addressing them on these things. Now, now they, they were to not basically continue in the lifestyle they knew, the sinful life that they had understood. And, and look what it says. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Oh, if the church could just learn to not be partakers with them. Amen. <laughs> My voice is coming back. I could actually do, somebody's preaching. <laughs> Don't be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Apparently, the Ephesians, Paul wrote to them, and they started to kind of maybe wane back and and maybe not understand what it is that God had called them out of, and and they were holding on to some kind of a faith, and yet, yet being drawn back into something. And as I prayed about this, as I was reading this and praying about this, The Lord spoke to me and he said, Bob, you have to realize where it is that the the church in Ephesus had come out of what it was birthed out of. If you turn with me to Acts 19. (coughs) Now I made reference to this a few weeks ago. Just a quick reference. Today we're going to look at it a little deeper. But this is the, the revival that the Ephesian church was birthed out of. We see this in Acts chapter nineteen, verse one. It said while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then that baptism then what baptism did you receive? And John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. Excuse me. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Skip down to verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick And their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. The first thing I want to talk to you about is that the church in Ephesus, Ephesus was a place that that there was a heavy spiritual bondage. Anytime that there's a heavy spiritual bondage, okay, God always shows up and starts working. Anytime there's a heavy spiritual bondage, God always shows up and starts working. Before we see a, the huge move of God, the first thing God did is, is he sends Paul in to Ephesus and he starts to get his believers ready. He fills them with his Holy Spirit. He says, I've got a work here that I need to do. And Paul, taking the the making the most of the opportunity, making the most of an evil day, walks in and says, Have you received the Holy Spirit? They received the Holy Spirit. You say, What's your point? My point is this, if we're going to live carefully, if we're going to live uh, (coughs) with wisdom, if we're going to live and, and, and make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, we have to take advantage of what the evil days have brought us. You say, what are you talking about? The greater the evil, the greater there is a need for the light. The greater the darkness, the more impactful the light can be. Isaiah 9 2, the prophet spoke of Jesus' coming like this. He said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Have you ever been asleep in a dark room and have somebody come in and wake you up and flip a light on? (laughs) Talk about waking you up, you don't want it, do you? It almost hurts. The greater the darkness, the more sensitive you are to the light. Hear what I'm saying. Isaiah said, look, God is sending His light into this world. It may hurt, folks. Amen? exposing our darkness may hurt. And there may be some things over the next couple of weeks that offend you and you don't like. There may be some things you learn and hear about that you do not want to hear about and you didn't want to learn. It may not be fun to do it, but the reality of it is, is that light is good for us. Amen. Do you know that this body was made with eyes so that we could see? Not to live in darkness. Our spirit man was designed to be in fellowship with God, not to live in darkness. Yeah, maybe you'll wake up eventually. I wish we had brighter lights in here. <laughs> the darker it is, the more opportunity it is for the light to be appreciated. Hello? Yet, First John 2:8 says this: "Yet I am writing you a new command. It's truth is seen in Him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. What He's saying here in 1 John, it's not just about Jesus coming and being the light now. It's the reality of the fact that His light is within you and you are now with Him. It's truth is seen in Him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. You and I are filled with the presence of God and have become the light with Him. Matthew 5, 14-16 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. we weren't intended to live under a bowl in darkness. Do you know that even even in Psalm 139 where David's writing, he talks about he said, even if I surround myself with darkness, even, even if I'm in absolute darkness, you're still there. Even the dark is light to you. Do you know that if you and I try to run and surround ourselves with darkness and pursue His presence is still within us, drawing us and leading us and guiding us? You all ain't getting it. You're all asleep. Maybe we need to do the hokey pokey for 10-15 minutes. The light of the world is inside of you. There is no reason to be afraid of darkness. There was no reason reason to be afraid of what's going on around you. There is no reason to be fearful and to fall into the enemy's scheme and, and to be afraid of anything that he has to say or anything he has to do. With this series, my purpose is to educate about these things, so that we can make an impact. Make an impact into this culture. We are not called away from darkness, but to darkness. To infiltrate it. To pierce it. To light it up. To expose it. To bring hope. The goal of the enemy is to bring fear and confusion to us, to mankind, so that we will remain in bondage. Too often, I should have done it, I forgot. Too often we are like the sheep Those sheep, I don't remember what they're called. Uh, Maybe somebody can help me. If you scare them, if you go, boom, they start to run and then they seize up and fall over. Has anybody ever seen them before? Look it up on YouTube. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I want some just so I can go, good morning, and they just fall over. Christians are like that though. When it comes to scary things, when it comes to, to, to the demonic or darkness or anything, we seize up, we're afraid. God has not called us to be afraid. Paul was not afraid of the demons. The demons were afraid of Paul. Do you know that with the power and the presence of God in your life, there ain't no reason why you should ever be afraid of a demon. You could walk into a a room with a demon-possessed person and go... (laughs) You can laugh at them. There ain't nothing they can do to you. The power of God is inside of you. You walk in, they go... Who's that? My name is Michelle Hughes. What up? <laughs> they're scared of you, Michelle. I'm scared of you sometimes. <laughs> but they're scared of you. My friend Luis is over here. Luis, they're scared of you. Why? Because the light and the power of God is inside of you. There ain't no reason to fear evil. There ain't no reason to fear evil. That's the, that's the scam of the enemy. He wants you to go huh! and fall over. And he laughs. And he thinks it's funny. He said, look at all these stupid sheep that God has in his herd. Every time I walk up, they get afraid and fall over afraid. And they're scared and fearful. God has called us to impact the darkness. America is a nation with increased spiritual activity, just like Ephesus was. I've heard missionaries talk about how they've talked and they've gone into different places where there's been deep, dark spiritual bondage. And, 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 and all of us sit there and go, wow. Wow. And they share these stories about how people, you know, demon-possessed people do this or that. Wow. Oh, yeah, and how their lives are in danger. Wow. That is wow. And then we look at them and they say, wow, you know, we went to this nation because we see great opportunity. And we say, wow, that's just awesome. I remember David and Amy Dingman, they were here this last spring, uh, missionaries to India, Calcutta, India. And they said, they told us over lunch, said, Pastor Bob, listen man, demon possession is everywhere in India. It's everywhere. You see, you, you walk down the street and see demon possessed people. It's all the time. They worship, they're worshiping devils, Pastor. That's what they're worshiping. They go to those temples and they, they go there and they get down and they start swaying and chanting and taunting and, and, and all of a sudden they, they start shaking and they, and they start manifesting demons. They said, it's a regular thing. We see that all the time. In America, we maybe don't see that very often, but it's here. It's here. And with the occult increasing as it is in our communities, it will increase. I told them in the first service, you know, there was a over in Bismarck just been a few years back that they were trying to start up a college for Wiccans. And, and, And that's a little town, just what, 35, 35 miles away, 30 miles, something like that. If that listen, it's in our nation. It's in our culture. It's in the Midwest. It's in the good old heart of the U.S.A. They got it shut down, obviously, and they didn't get it started up, but the reality of it is is our culture is on the same track that Ephesus was when this revival broke out, and you and I are not to be afraid. You and I are to look at the situation and see the great opportunity that the darkness presents itself. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to be purposeful in how we live, wise, not as unwise, taking the most, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because there's darkness, and you are full of the light. Point number one. Point number two is this. There was religion without relationship. Not only was Ephesus a great opportunity because of its bondage and darkness, secondly, there was religion without relationship. Acts 19, verses 8 and 9. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? People in church get obstinate. i had never seen it in my life. Thank God, not very much here. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Jump down to verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. These men, these men that went and tried to invoke the name of Jesus to do a powerful work were the same people that had refused his teaching from Paul. Let me just paint a picture with you for a minute. These men sat under the powerful teaching of Spirit filled Paul, and they heard the truth and they rejected it. Don't want it, preacher. I want to be comfortable with my religion. I want to come in and out of the church doors. I want to do my rituals. I want to do all this stuff. All this personal thing about God impacting my life and me. I, I am not interested in this Jesus freak that you were t- telling me about. I'm comfortable where I'm at. Da- don't mess my church up. I'm comfortable. This is where they were. Don't, don't take our worship time and, and start intermingling prayer with it, because that's just not how we do it around here, Preacher. Don't worry, nobody said that. I'm just saying it. I'm just trying to find maybe a point. Don't change our Wednesday night to 7 o'clock, okay? Maybe that would have been less contention there. I don't know. But They said, I'm not interested in this relationship thing. But then they go out and they realize, wow, we've been here all this time and we've had the occult around us and we've had demon-possessed people around us, but you know, we've not had to do, been able to do anything about it. But this, this freak Paul comes in and he starts saying the name of Jesus and, and demons are cast out. Why can't we do that? I'll tell you what, we'll use the name of Jesus too. I want no relationship with him. I want nothing to do with him. But when things are bad, I want to call out to him and expect him to move like a recipe. I want to flip him on like a light switch just with his name. I want to name drop Jesus so that I can get what I want. Basically what they did is they went in and they didn't know him and then then the demon said, what in the world are you talking about? I don't know you. I know Jesus. There's no power in you. You know what that's telling me? That's telling me that the power of God is not based upon some unbeliever using the name Jesus to their advantage. The power of God is built in the relationship and the filling of his Holy Spirit and the communion between God and man through the power of the Holy Spirit. When that individual walks in the room, the demon goes, I know Paul and I know Michelle. I'm out of here. I'm gone. But when some nutcase comes in that doesn't even know Christ and wants to drop his name, I tell you, spirit, to leave. It looks at you and goes, what are you? But pastor, there's power in the name. There's not power in the name for the individual that pursues darkness their entire life until they get into a bad spot and then they want to drop the name. You have to have faith. You have to believe in Him. You have to obey Him. You want power in God? You want to win the battles over demons? You need to win the private battles in your closet, your prayer closet at home. When you feel like getting up and leaving, when you're sitting on your computer, men, by yourself, you need to win those battles if you're going to win the battles out in front of other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Obedience. So here we have these people that want... Don't want religion without relationship. And any time a church carries this mentality, it will breed a culture that turns to bondage. And here's why. Jesus said this about our body in Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Let's think about these men for a minute. I read that and you say, Pastor, that's talking about the eye gate. That's receiving. I understand. I know what that's talking about. But let's put this in context of the church and a community. Where are the eyes to God? Where is the light supposed to shine through in this community? It's supposed to shine through us, isn't it? Oh, if this church is darkness, how much bondage, how much darkness is there in the community? Think about it. These men were rejecting God. They were pursuing their own thing. They refused the light and love of Christ. And what they did is they wonder, I wonder why there's so much bondage around us. I wonder why. Because you are called to be the light. And when there's darkness in your life and you've pursued your own things, oh, come on, church. How many times have churches destroyed communities because the church people can't get along? How many times have people in the bar said, I'll never go to that church. I know so and 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 so. That church is split four times. How in the world, why would I ever want to go there? If the church is full of darkness, how much worse is it going to be in the community? We have got to get to a place to where we understand that that, that religion without relationship is dead and it's fruitless. And here in America, like in Ephesus, it's rampant. People have no power in the spiritual realm because they have no relationship with God. These men were pleaded with by Paul the Apostle for 90 days. They were not interested. And then they decided to reject it and denounce it and spread their poison to others in the community. And when they needed God to do something, they tried the formula and the formula failed. They were like in Eli's day when Eli the priest wasn't the light. He wasn't in relationship with God. Samuel was. And Eli Eli's not in relationship, neither is Hophni or Phinehas, his sons. And, and the Philistines were coming and they said, hey, we need to go fight the Philistines. And, and so they said, go up. Nobody asked God. Nobody talked to God. They go up. They get routed. They come back. They said, what happened? And nobody talks to God. Nobody asked God. There's no relationship. They said, just take the Ark and put the ark out there. Name drop the ark. Put the ark out in front. Don't have any relationship with God. Just put that out there because that's the formula that's always worked in the past. And if we put the formula out that's always worked in the past, it'll work. And so we'll get our victory. We don't have to obey God. We don't have to hear God's voice. Let's do it this way because that's how it's done. And they were routed again. And the ark was stolen. Listen to me, my friends. You may say, Pastor Bob, uh, if if you're pursuing darkness, if you're living in darkness and you're not obeying God and you're full of rebellion, you're full of anger and gossip and slander, and you're full of all these things and your family's falling apart and you want to drop the name of Jesus over them and you don't want to live in obedience and you're wondering why everybody's getting consumed, this is why. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. I say, but pastor, you've, you've dealt with rebellion. Yes, I have. We all have. Listen, listen. I, I'm not judging anybody that's had family circumstances. Uh, last time I checked, there's not any family perfect. All right? I'm not, I'm not judging that. My point is this. If you want to make it a positive impact in the spiritual realm of your home and your life and who you are, you're going to have to get in relationship with Jesus Christ. Formulas don't work. To live carefully, to be wise, and to make the most of every opportunity does not mean we compromise the gospel and then work our faith out to our advantage. These men wanted everything on their terms. In church, we cannot do that. Thirdly and lastly, we see where these people were consumed with the occult. When Paul had written to them, he realizes where they had come out of they were consumed with the occult when he's telling them to be careful and to live wise and not unwise and to take every, make every, take every advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. He knew where they had come from. In verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So we see the miraculous work of this demon attacking these men, and it brings fear into these people's lives. Now, now I've seen this happen, I've not seen a demon-possessed person attack somebody, but I've seen, I've known people personally that have pursued the occult, that have tried to communicate with the dead, that have done seances, that have done, uh, you name it. They, they, they've done incantations and all this stuff. I've known people, more than one, many in this community that have done this. And you know it's all fine and good. That Scripture says, if you look at it, it says, one day. When the sons of Sceva went, and they, <laughs> they went and they tried to cast out this demon, it says, one day... In other words, one day the demon spoke to him. In other words, that changes things. (laughs) You can have have an obnoxious person living next to you, but then suddenly their eyes roll back in their head and a voice comes out. That changes things. Amen? Amen? These people, it changed some things. Somehow they made the connection, this demon-possessed person and the power of what had happened and what had happened to these so-called religious people and they realized and made the connection, wow, uh, this guy was connected to sorcery like I am. I think I want to burn my books now. I've known these people. I've known the people that have pursued these things and it's all good until they hear a growling voice in their room. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. It's all good until things move off of the table in front of them. Until spiritual activity is heightened in their home, suddenly it's not fun anymore. Suddenly they're afraid where before they weren't afraid, it was just kind of fun. Listen, my friends. (laughs) The occult is taking hold of America by storm. And there's coming a time where people will begin to rethink their position when they catch a revelation of what it is exactly that they are messing with. They, the, 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 what activities they've connected themselves to. But look at the great sacrifice and the investment that the people in Ephesus had made toward the occult. 50,000 drachmen. Now I don't know what that measures out to, In money today, it was a Greek silver coin. Some people would say it would be equal to an American dollar, but I don't know. I would think it's probably a little more expensive than that. I don't know exactly what it was, but I can say 50,000 coins of silver seems like a lot. Today, I would be concerned if I was to stop our church and our community and ask people how much they have invested in the occult in the last year. But pastor, I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't invest in the occult. Okay, what movies have you seen in the last year? What books have you read in the last year? Let me go through your uh, playlist on your iPod and let's decide how much you've invested in the occult in the last year. Let's go ahead and, and start looking at your video games, boys and girls, and, and check and see how much you've invested in the occult in the last year. Over the next week, especially next week, we're really going to get a picture of what it is that the occult is in this culture. How many Harry Potter books did you buy your kids? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> oh, don't believe that's just because our kids can't read. I'm just I'm just kidding. Was that you, Connie, that said that? <laughs> Connie said none. Oh, it's just because their kids can't read. <laughs> none. <laughs> Listen. I would be afraid if we really started to break down what it is that we've invested ourselves in. Do you know that the spiritual activity thing has gotten so out of control, you know, with, with paranormal activity, let's just say? I think that's coming out number four. Listen, stay away from that stuff, it's yeah. demonic. Even though it's fake and it's produced by movies, it, it opens doors to your mind and fear that you don't... And anytime there's deep fear like that, the enemy's going to go to work hard. You don't want it. Trust me. Right. But there was, a, there, were, there was a couple in Indianapolis this last year that a child was, was brutally beaten and killed, a baby. I mean, we're talking like a two-year-old. I don't remember the age of the child. <clears throat> About six weeks maybe or so before it was killed, a neighbor had called DCFS to come and to check out what's happening in this house because the kid had obvious bruises and there was a lot of screaming and crying and whatnot. This DCFS worker gets there and the boyfriend says, um, no, nobody's hit the kid. Kid's obviously got bruises all over, hand marks. No, nobody's hitting the kid. Our problem is, is that we've got a spirit in the house. And this spirit is attacking the baby. Did you know they didn't pull that kid out of that house? Somebody bought it like, well, these people aren't doing it. They're trying to protect this kid from the, from the spirit. They left the kid in the house. Six weeks later, the kid's dead, and the mom and dad are in jail. Well, the mom and the boyfriend. Our culture has embraced all this stuff to the point to where they believe it. Now, we will talk about hauntings, and we will talk about demon possession, and all that kind of stuff. Is it real? Yes, it can be. But, but have we taken it to the point to where we think the devil is so powerful to do all this harm? The devil wasn't the one beating the kids. It was the devil through the people beating the kids. Right. And people deceived, believing that some spirit was doing it and that everybody was innocent. Our culture is so full of the occult, we don't even get it. We don't even see it. We don't even understand I said in the first service, I probably ought to put together a slide of images so that you can start seeing stuff, pictures of what the occult looks like. And and probably, I'd be afraid, some of you go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Why? Why are people drawn to this? They're drawn to it because you and I are spiritual beings. We are flesh, yes, but there is an eternal soul inside of us that understands and wants eternity. We understand that there is something after death. There is life. And and, and people are confused and afraid and they don't get it. You say, Pastor, how do you believe that? Well, You know, one of the greatest things growing right now is, is the religion of no religion, atheism. Tell me that's not demon influenced. They try to say there is nothing after life, but even they struggle with it. The truth of the matter is, is if you go to a culture, you go to some place that no outsider has been into, that they've never been outside of their little place. We go into the middle of, of a jungle somewhere and we find a new group of people that we didn't know existed. And you're going to find three things. You're going to find a God they worship. You're going to find some form of sacrifice. And you're going to find marriage. And you look in Genesis, you see all three. You see a God that was worshipped. You see a God that, that, that slayed the animals and, and covered their bodies with clothing. The first blood sacrifice. And then you see marriage as well taking place. Everybody has got these things inside of us. We all inside of us know there is a God to worship. We all know that there is eternity. We know it. It's inside of us. It's an itch. The scary thing is... The individual that has that itch and the enemy deceives them to go and scratch that itch with witchcraft or with sorcery or with some other avenue where they can have, have some kind of a, a spiritual experience without Christ. The other reason it's so enticing is, is people can, can go to these things and there is no expectation of holiness. We serve a holy God and people say, yeah, I want religion and experience spiritual experience without holiness. But our God is holy. If Amber come, I'm going to close this out. You say, Pastor, you just talked a whole bunch about a bunch of stuff that I have no idea what you're talking about. There's many similarities between us and Ephesus. Darkness is increasing, but I firmly believe the power of God and the light of God is increasing. I, I really believe it in this body. I really, really believe it in this body. So because there's similarities between the United States and Ephesus, because there's some similarities, I I take seriously this warning from Paul that says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days we live in are evil, folks. The the occult the, the darkness the death the deception I, I, the violence <laughs> I mean you in the last twenty plus thirty years the increase in violence I went to see a movie with with Alyssa and April. Been about a month or so ago. The odd life of Timothy Green. When it comes out on video, it's pretty cool. It's funny. But anyway, we we watched it, and I never say anything to them. But I sit there in that movie theater, and I'm thinking about what happened out in Colorado. You know, the nutcase that comes in and starts shooting people. I say nutcase, demon possessed. I, I firmly believe that there was a demon possession there. You know, I. Every time we hear of a shooting, everybody goes back to Columbine, and we start thinking about Paducah, Kentucky, and, and all those early ones that that started. Now it just seems like it's a commonplace. Why is it? Just a few weeks ago, another kid, middle schooler, went into school and, and shot himself in the head in the hallway just to show everybody that he was tired of being made fun of. I mean, the increase in violence. I mean, how kids aren't even safe in their beds anymore. How many times in the last five years have we heard of of children being taken out of their homes? If you don't think it's time to get serious with God, you are deeply deceived.